The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Market Pulse podcast, the Essential Services Edition. Now, friendly reminder, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts now, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. I said that last week and this week I have a bit of a request. If you can leave a review, that'd be fantastic. Uh, any feedback is, is more than welcome. Uh, if you can leave a star rating, that'd be, that'd be great as well. And if you do have questions for the show, we do sometimes do a listener segment. I say sometimes, we, we started it last week, but questions for the show can be emailed to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. There's also a Twitter handle that you can tweet at. So that's at marketpulsepod. So send any questions you have that way and I can include it on the show in future episodes. Let's just jump right into it and talk about the week that was. So the ASX 200 was down 13.1%. The S&P 500 in the US down 14.98%, so just short of 15% that fall. And the NASDAQ, not as bad, down 12.64%. For some context, so both the US indices, so the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, both major indices, they're down about 30% since their February peak. But jumping into, I guess, some of the notable news headlines for the week in regards to some of the listed companies in Australia. So again, it's another big week, a lot of news. Again, I said this last week, but everything's changing every single day and there's always new information coming out. And generally speaking, the markets aren't normally this exciting. I say exciting, I know there's some there's a lot of bad news out there, but uh, in my experience, often the markets are quite boring week on week and nothing really happens and it, and it kind of moves slow. The old saying is that the share market takes the stairs as it goes up, but it takes the elevator when it goes down. So during normal periods, it's generally not this exciting, but we've had seen further impact to Aussie companies on the stock exchange this week. So a few that I've highlighted. So Village Roadshow is one that's taking a beating I mean, it comprises of two main divisions, so that's being both their theme park and cinemas. I don't think their theme—I don't think, sorry, I don't think their cinemas are too prevalent in Queensland, where I'm from. But I know they are in New South Wales and Victoria. But we know them in Queensland as the owners of the likes of Movie World and Sea World and Wet and Wild. And you know, these are two industries—you know, cinemas and theme parks—that are starting to be impacted, if not closing down, due to bans on large crowds. These bans are indoor and outdoor. I mean, what's interesting about Village Roadshow is only a couple months ago, there were private equity groups that were coming in with takeover offers. So there was takeover offers on the table for around $4 a share. And on Friday, so yesterday uh, when I'm recording this, which is the 21st of March, Village Roadshow shares closed around $1.30. So there you go. What a, what a fall from grace there. It's about a 70% drop from their Feb highs. Crown Resorts are also taking a big hit. They announced that they're going to deactivate every second poker machine, distance players at gaming tables and restrict the number of people floating around food and beverage areas. There was a great Batuta post that mocked the fact that they haven't been forced to close as they're a quote-unquote essential service, hence the uh, title of this week's episode. Cochlear withdrew earnings guidance. They're noting that they're seeing health authorities around the world urge hospitals to suspend or postpone 
elective surgical procedures. Their shares are down about 26% this week. And you're seeing this happen and we'll see it happen in Australia as hospitals close in on capacity. They're going to stop, I guess, services that maybe aren't as crucial. So I'm trying to think of something that's not crucial, but maybe you are getting a a small operation on, on your knee, for example, and if they can potentially get you to wait for that while they use those beds for uh, other services at the moment, that's that's kind of what Cochlear are referring to there. It's not all bad news. Premier Investments scored a share price bump on Friday after releasing their earnings details. If you're unfamiliar with Premier Investments, as almost everyone would be, you'd know them by the brands that they do own. So most famous for the likes of Peter Alexander and Smiggle. They also own brands like Just Jeans, JJ's, Portman's, for any of the soccer mums out there. Is that fair? I don't even know. If, hang on. I've got to look this up. Okay, I'm back. So it says that, according to Google, Portman's is the fashion destination for metropolitan girls who like to stay on top. Doesn't really say anything. But anyway, they own Portman's as well. But they've had a pretty good, uh, except for their share price, hasn't had a great time over the last month or so, just like everywhere on the market. But they released their results. They've saw seen sales in Peter Alexander up 11%, Smiggle sales up 8%. They've kind of seen sales across all their brands up and online sales are up, which is good. It's a good sign as well that customers are actually taking to the the online method of sale. And yeah, it's not all bad news. We also saw US Fed uh, slash rates they slashed it by 1% over there. So that's similar to what the Reserve Bank of Australia did the other week. But the, the RBA then came out later in the week and they cut our, our cash rates by 0.25% down from 0.5%. Now we spoke about the potential rise in popularity of food delivery services as people look to avoid public spaces. And I noted a different article during the week that said Deliveroo said that they'll enable contact-free delivery. And I think Uber Eats are doing this too, where they'll they'll come out and they'll place the bag away from the door so that, and then they'll step back and then the person can come out and grab the, the bag, keeping their distance to the driver. And then the person, the Uber Eats person then grabs their bag back and all that kind of stuff. So these are the kind of changes that are happening, which kind of gets me into the next part that I wanted to talk to, which is I read this really interesting article in The Economist, it was titled, Much of Global Commerce Has Ground to a Halt, if you did want to read it yourself. And I'm not going to go through like a lot of the horrifying statistics of supply issues and shops closing down. You know, we've we've kind of seen that happening across Australia already, and you, you've probably noticed around your local area. I think for me, at least in my local area, which is sort of inner city Brisbane, I'm noticing that the small coffee shops are still doing okay. They seem to be attracting a lot of cost customers in the morning, you know, like probably workers. But I, I wonder if that'll change if people work from home. But then again, people still might walk down to get a coffee. The bars are definitely getting hit. I've noted several Brisbane bars that have just pretty much shut up shop now, which is um, really sad to see. The article highlighted certain industries and businesses that are adjusting to this where they can. And it's really interesting to watch the shift in the economy. People and businesses still trying to actually cater to customers where possible. So you've got things like zoos and museums and galleries that are they're actually now offering live streaming of their services and you know the art and the animals that, that they offer normally in person. You've seen Universal Pictures 
come out and say that they're actually going to be releasing movies that are currently in cinema and ones that are about to come out onto streaming platforms so people can watch it from home. I think that includes the upcoming Trolls release. So that's going to be a test, I think, for them. I believe they picked that movie to still release on a streaming platform because it's obviously aimed at kids and maybe they're playing into the whole fact that with schools closed down and maybe parents being home, working from home, they're probably thinking, oh, my God, how do I get my kid to shut up? Well, if I can put Trolls on, that'll keep them busy for two hours or so. General Motors, they're a car manufacturer. They're looking at using their assets to actually change and increase ventilator production. So instead of making cars at the moment, it almost reminds you of the wartime stories where you know the British government and the US government would go to factories and say, look, we know that you normally make motorbikes, but too bad, so sad, you're making tanks now or something like that, where they basically had to repurpose all this industry that they needed for, for more crucial things. And the article noted some interesting statistics. So they're speaking first about online tools such as Zoom and Slack and Skype. And if you remember from a couple episodes before, we actually spoke about some of the share price increases over the last month or so in companies like Zoom with investors, I guess, banking on the fact that their product's going to be used a little bit more than normal considering people are actually taking to doing their normal face-to-face meetings or conferences Uh, via online platforms such as Zoom or Microsoft Teams instead of, say, in person at the workplace. So I'm just going to take this quote out of the article. Quote, data from Sensor Tower, an analytics firm, suggests that weekly new users of such apps, so that's talking about things like Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Slack, so new users of such apps leapt from 1.4 million in early January to 6.7 million in early March. There was also a survey in Britain for Barclay Card, which is a payments firm. It points to year-on-year growth of 12% in subscription entertainment services like Netflix in the four weeks to February 21st and of nearly 9% growth in food takeaway and delivery spending. So again, that's people adjusting to a new life, being stuck in their home and having to find entertainment, so more likely to flick on the TV and try Netflix and more likely to open Uber Eats or order Domino's to home instead of going out to a restaurant. And then the article sort of concluded and said that, you know, cash-rich companies will be the ones best suited to ride this period out, which is kind of an obvious statement, but a couple of examples. So Apple has about $200 billion in cash in the bank. Just as an example, they could come across to Australia right now and buy Woolworths and NAB and still have money left over. That's just crazy how big these companies are. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is sitting on about $128 billion in cash. No doubt he's probably going to be looking to deploy that during this period as, as markets have fallen, although I'm not sure if he has yet. It's in- interesting to see the way that the economy is, is shifting and, and whether this actually means that certain changes and stuff will become permanent uh, or whether these are just temporary things. Yeah, it's just it's a it's an interesting way to look at look at what's happening around us and I recommend you to take notice of what's happening in your local area too. The other thing I'm seeing a lot is local businesses like cafes and restaurants are basically advertising across their social media that they're happy to deliver. So they still want to make some money and if whatever they're cooking or whatever drinks they're providing, they can deliver that out to you where possible. There's also news about Afterpay, which is listed on the ASX. It's probably the most noteworthy 
buy now, pay later of the group of stocks in that sector. So other ones that you've probably heard of are Zipco. There's also Flexi Group, which is not that recognizable, but they're basically the ones that own Hum, which you would have seen in shops. And I haven't really talked about this sector, but they've also been hit quite hard. And so Afterpay had a shocker of a week. They, I mean, around the middle of the week, they copped a you know, $1 million US fine from a Californian regulator. And that's over the fact that the commissioner of this regulator determined that Afterpay had engaged in the business of a finance lender in California without actually obtaining the, the necessary license, which is interesting to talk about because a lot of people don't understand how Afterpay actually conducts its business in the sense that it doesn't actually do a credit check. And if you've used Afterpay, you, you might have noticed this. Of course, when you sign up, you have to put in some personal details and things like this. But the, the reason it doesn't actually require a credit license in Australia is the fact that it doesn't actually charge interest. So it doesn't have to do that know your customer credit check kind of stuff in the background that other providers do. So if you've ever been to a bank and you've maybe applied for a credit card or, or a personal loan or even you've gone for a home loan, then you, you're very familiar with the fact that there's a lot of checks that take place. You know, there's checks on your income, there's checks on, checks on your assets and liabilities and there's checks on your expenses, for example, to see how well you manage your money. And they also run a credit check in the background and they do that to see whether you have a history of, say, defaulting on payments or, or or not paying loans on time and things like that. And that gives you that gives them an idea of the kind of customer that they're about to do some business with. But Afterpay kind of skirts around this by not charging interest. So you might be then asking, well, how do they make money? Well, they take a clip from the merchant, so of the merchant selling the product, but they also charge late fees, which some have argued should be deemed their kind of interest. But these late fees are basically charged to customers that miss payments, etc., so the worry for this sector, and I'm not talking specifically about Afterpay here because the other payment platforms have also dropped, so Zipco and Flexi Group as well, but the worry for this sector is there's an expectation that there'll be more bad loans effectively, so customers not being able to pay them back, customers losing jobs and potentially not paying back that Afterpay payment that's due or simply just cutting down on discretionary spending altogether and, and seeing a slowdown on the amount of purchasing there. Although Afterpay did clarify that they haven't really seen any material impact to their business. I believe I talked last week about the fact that Zipco said pretty much the same thing. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But speaking of bad weeks, Qantas had a, had a shocker of a week too and you would have seen that all over the news. So they've cut international capacity by 90%. I'm pretty sure Virgin Australia have actually cut international capacity completely so they're not doing those flights at all. And... For Qantas, this also includes a 60% cut in domestic services and they're standing down a majority of their staff, asking them to take leave where possible. Now, this comes after the Gov rolled out a $750 million relief package this week for the Aussie airline sector and that relief package comes in the way of waiving certain fees that get charged to these airlines such as fuel excise and security charges at the airport level. My personal opinion on the matter is I really doubt that the government would allow Qantas to go under. Uh, it's not just the fact that it's our national carrier and it does employ quite a lot of people, so about 30,000, but it's also a very strong brand, which I know doesn't sound very tangible, not like the amount of people that it employs or money that it makes, but 
it does have an exceptional brand and that's not just in Australia, that's internationally as well. That's not a recommendation to invest in Qantas or anything like this. Their share price has been smashed completely, as you can imagine, over the, the last couple of months. But I really don't think the government would allow it to go under. So but it's an interesting story to watch. I'm not so sure about Virgin because they're kind of owned by overseas firms, I believe. But Qantas, I think, will be interesting to watch, especially from the it's future earnings results and whether it decides to cut dividends and, and stuff to scale back on, on costs and, and, and try and conserve as much cash as possible. Speaking of which, we are actually entering dividend season. It kind of started during the week, but this week, so starting Monday the 23rd, is actually the biggest week for dividends. So approximately $7.1 billion worth of dividends are going to get paid out to investors this week. If you're newer to investing, I'll just quickly explain what a dividend is. So dividends are a cash payment. Uh, they come from the companies that you invested in to reward shareholders. I guess dividends are also kind of a good indicator of company strength. So their ability to generate profits and, and actually pay them out to shareholders because companies don't have to pay a dividend. It's not like mandatory or anything. They can also decide that they don't want to pay dividends anymore. But that kind of looks pretty bad. So generally speaking, companies that do pay a dividend have been doing it for quite a while. And you can see that history in them and the fact that they've got good, strong profits to actually pay that out to shareholders. Dividends, as I said, generally come from the profits the company makes. For example, if a company announces a dividend of $1, that means you receive $1 per share that you own in the company. So generally speaking, in Australia, dividends are paid twice a year. So that period is just about around now for a lot of companies. And then the other major period for dividend payouts it's kind of around the August-September period, so it's just after the financial year has ended. There are some exceptions. It's not all uh, twice a year, so there are a couple companies out there that pay quarterly, for example. But there's a couple important dates to remember with dividends. So there's the announcement date, which is relatively self-explanatory. So this is when the company actually comes out and announces a dividend to the market. The ex-dividend date. So that's actually the date in which you're no longer eligible to receive a dividend. So let's break that down a little bit. So if the ex-dividend date is Friday, March 20, so that's yesterday, what that means is if you buy shares on that day, then you're not eligible for the next dividend. You have to have bought the shares at least the day before, so on the Thursday. Going back to that example, if the ex-dividend date is Friday, March 20, you needed to have owned shares in that company at least by the day before at the minimum. So once it hits that Friday, then even if you do buy the shares that day, and you can, you could buy the shares in that company, you won't get that next dividend that they've just announced. Then you've got the payment date, so that's when the company actually pays out the dividend. So perhaps you might be benefiting yourself over the coming weeks with dividend payments. About 86% of ASX 200 companies are issuing dividends. I think it's likely that you're going to see potentially that percentage drop, especially from certain sectors. I think travel is the most obvious, so the likes of a flight center and Webjet and perhaps airlines maybe cutting their dividends or, or at least pulling them back at the bare minimum, and that's in an effort to obviously conserve costs to the business or the fact that they're actually wanting to keep their money during this kind of time period as opposed to pay it out to shareholders. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. Like I said at the top, please just take two minutes out of your day to give it a star rating and review on your preferred podcast app. 
I know there's a few on Apple Podcasts, so thank you very much for people who have left reviews. Um, probably even more importantly, tell your friends about it because I think word of mouth is a pretty strong way for podcasts to spread. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next week.